Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Nets, your daily podcast on the Brooklyn Nets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Keep the trump blasting, toe tagging, I'm riding past them. Before you let them ride with the team, you got to ask them. Who got snaps on the Petro? Keep it real, keep it real, don't front, yo. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Nets podcast. I'm your host, David Virtsberger. Thank you very much for tuning in. The Nets coming off a couple losses here to the Lakers and Clippers, part of their West Coast swing. Nothing to be too glum about, though. The Nets are playing well. They're playing competitively. That Clippers game, I mean, the Clippers are probably the best team in the NBA right now, so it's hard to lose sleep over that. Uh, The Nets starting to get some national acclaim a little bit. A little later, you'll hear from our friends at the Dunked On podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue. They'll be talking about the Nets and just how impressive they've been keeping keeping competitive under Kenny Atkinson and making some noise. But before we get to that, I I do want to tell our listeners about SeatGeek. Now, I love going to sporting events and and concerts. I I went to see Schoolboy Q recently. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, I, I went out to a bunch of Yankee games for the legend Gary Sanchez. And for all those events, I used SeatGeek to get tickets. Now, what SeatGeek is, is an app for your mobile device where it's like Kayak, but you know, Kayak for hotels, but for sporting events and concerts where they basically take every ticket website's offerings, put them all in a nice, really easy-to-use uh, app for you, and you can see the cheapest tickets from all across the web and the best deals as well because they color code the tickets so that you know if you're getting a good deal on a certain seat or not. And it, it's really convenient to use uh, because you're, you know you're getting a good deal. You know what you're getting. They show you where your seat is so, so you know your view. And I've been using it a lot and, and I wanted to share it with you guys because as a Locked On Nets listener, you can get 20% off your first purchase on the SeatGeek app. So all you have to do is download the app and go enter the promo code LONETS, that's LONETS, and you get a 20% refund on your first SeatGeek purchase. So definitely consider that. Again, super convenient. So now let's go to a clip from a recent Dunked On podcast uh, talking about the Nets. Let's get to a team that might actually qualify as one of the biggest surprises for me, and we'll talk about that more on that episode as well. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, now 4-5 and five after a very nice win in Phoenix, who had just beaten Detroit the night uh, a couple nights before that. Well, I, I liked a, a, a tweet that you put out, I think it was yesterday, about the idea that maybe it's also us being on the West Coast, but Luke Walton's gotten a lot of buzz, a lot of shine for the justifiably the very good job that he's done changing around the Lakers. And Kenny Atkinson 
is doing that in Brooklyn. And I think I would argue, especially considering the kind of nature of the talent, that he's doing it with a higher degree of difficulty. Well, especially when you consider that they actually now, I think they're two and two since Lynn and Vasquez went out. They actually, we didn't talk about this, but Vasquez needs another surgery on that ankle after re-injuring it. And, and he actually got released despite $4 million guaranteed. So they, and Lynn still doesn't have a timetable yet with his hamstring. He's going to, he's not even scheduled to be reevaluated, I think, until the end of this week. So really remarkable what they've been able to do offensively. And the key really has been they're just taking great shots Uh, they're taking only 9.1 shots from mid-range per game that is second lowest in the league behind houston and then denver is the next lowest at 14 so you can tell this is clearly a philosophical approach from atkinson uh and you noted too that they're getting a ton of spot-up jumpers they are they so one of the things that i'm liking to look at and this is in the free part of synergy that's on the nba stats site is not necessarily how a team succeeds in a given area but the frequency so they have the they are shooting the highest proportion of their shots as spot ups as classified by synergy and that's a really good sign because those are not the best shots but they're on the higher end that, that's a great point and they just i mean they have brooke lopez but brooke's only been playing about 27 minutes a game they don't really have anyone who can do anything off the bounce and really get to the rim and finish but it just shows especially during the regular season what you can do by just having good shooting on the floor and a good system just having guys like harris boyan out there sean kilpatrick uh justin hamilton has been a revelation that was we really like that signing uh kp kind of turned us on to what he'd been doing in the acb league last year and hamilton has been playing mostly at the four but he has definitely played a lot of these traditional bigs off the floor just due to his shooting ability i mean he had one game where he was five out of five uh from on three pointers uh, last week um one disappointment though has been ronde hollis jefferson's offense he is shooting four of 17 at the rim so far uh, this season and about the same number of shots from three to ten feet he's shooting 33 percent on those he has been successful actually getting to the basket at times and one of the things that atkinson as part of this atlanta utah coaching tree has brought over is this idea of really starting your drive before you catch the pass and they've got him doing that he's able to actually get by guys at times and get into the rim but then he just cannot finish over any type of a contest at all he only has one dunk uh out of those 17 shots and he probably had like five or six of those plays where if he had just been able to go up with his right hand for a normal right hand layup he would have been able to finish it but he had to bring it back to the defense with his left a couple of times he did try it with his right hand I, I appreciate trying it but he was just way way off I mean he's probably he's had maybe half of these shots like haven't even hit the rim like he just gets bumped like shoots it over the over the rim just hits the backboard uh he is not really able to get great extension he has two hands on the ball a lot too which for a guy with his length is a little bit disappointing uh not really able to get a ton of explosion when he has a a body on him either and also notable is that pretty much all of these shots are plays that are off his own drives as opposed to really getting cuts or even getting out in transition i think only one or two of these layups was in transition he's actually shooting it okay from mid-range not at all from three of course uh but i think his mid-range jumper is, is going to get to passable and when they play with more shooting at the four too with hamilton i think they can get by with him not being as much of a shooter but he's just got to finish a little bit better like if you're going to be a player like that you have to at least finish your shots at the rim and be a threat there and find more avenues to cut as well what a player who is defense first and who provides a lot of value in that end they have to reach kind of a threshold minimum in terms of offensive capability and you can do that in a lot of different ways i mean tony 
Allen was one of the league's best cutters for a long time. You can do it that way. You can get to the foul line as long as you can make some of them. And Hollis Jefferson just has to find that point. But something else I want to mention, I'm sure we'll talk we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I, I just have to make sure that it's out there that before this season, Brooke Lopez's high in terms of three point attempts per game, his at high average was last season at 0.2. <laughs> this year he is averaging 4.8 per game that is he's shooting him easy too he's shooting him easy yeah and it's I, i think that there is this kind of trend of guys just that you know Lopez always had some range on his jumper I was impressed with it at Stanford but he never pushed it out this far and kudos to all the coaches that are basically just saying take another step or two back Marcus Soles had a couple of games like that because it really does open things up and of course it's worth more points okay now to my chat with Tim Oaks on this Nets loss to the Lakers you are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, joining me now on the Locked On Nets podcast, we have Tim Oaks coming live from Stony Brook. Tim, how you doing? Doing okay. Uh, watched a, a pretty entertaining Nets game between uh, the Nets and the Lakers. I thought that uh, you know the Nets offense was pretty comparable to what they're uh, what the Lakers were doing, um, but it was an interesting game despite the loss. Yeah, and that's on this West Coast swing, uh, losing to the Clippers pretty pretty roughly last game. But, you know, the, this game was fun sort of as a compare and contrast. You look at two rebuilding teams. The Lakers have all the top five picks in the world. I mean, they had, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Ingram. And uh, Rand- was Randall top five? I want to say it was. He was. Yeah. So they're rebuilding through, you know, sort of the generic way. You get these great draft picks and you rebuild around these promising young guys. And the Nets have, I guess their best prospect is Rondé Hollis Jefferson right now, who was a late first round pick. And so, you know, it, it was funny to see both of these, both of them are young. Both of them are playing the sort of pace and space modern NBA offense, just going at it. It was a fun offensive game. You know, I, I thought... I thought the game was entertaining. I don't know if we learned much new about either team. I mean, I think we know at this point the Nets can keep competitive with anybody. Absolutely. I think that if there's one thing that Kenny Atkinson is doing is giving pretty much everybody the green light, particularly Brooke Lopez from uh, Beyond the Arc. Can yeah. you, If I were to ask you three years ago if he was going to take 10 three-point shots in a single game, what would you say? So the funny thing is, two years ago, I wrote that Brook Lopez should shoot threes. He shoots a lot of long twos. He has the range. He he um, he shoots from three in warm-ups. Why isn't he shooting threes? And, like, actually seeing it come to fruition is really funny to watch. Like, not he's not he's doing it well. I don't, I don't think it's a surprise to those that have paid attention, but it's just funny like yeah Brooke Lopez is a three-point shooter now just get used to that <laughs> yeah and, and he's not bad like you said um he hit four of ten from deep tonight um he's definitely has that green light um but he played really well and who knows if he's going to be a part of or he's going to continue to be a part of the Nets future he's that seems to always be a question come you know trade deadline season but if anything this is increasing his value you know in you know magnificently yeah, uh, value going up is good. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Lopez because I think one thing that was evident in this game and in basically all season 
is if there's anything truly disappointing about this Nets team, and I hate to go past you know negative here with just how uh, how much of a pleasant surprise they've been, but there is one thing that sort of bothered me is that Brook Lopez took a big step last year with his passing. He was looking for guys out, out of double teams, really looking for the weak side shooter that skipped pass, had a good give and go game going with Shane Larkin, you know. But the passing has sort of taken a step back this year. He, I think, I, I'd have to count and go back to the film, but I there were multiple times this game where you'd have Bogey or or someone, Randy Foy, just with their arms up to their side somewhere, like calling for the ball while Lopez had half the Lakers team focused on him, and Lopez wouldn't see the guy, and Lopez would shoot it. And you'd see Foy or Bogey just walk down the end of the court still, like, just with their arms up. Like, come on, dude, <laughs> pass me the ball. He, he's he got to look for those guys a little more, especially on a team that's encouraged to shoot a lot of threes and has some shooters compared to last, you know, the past few years. And, you know, like I said, Atkinson is, is definitely encouraging him to shoot, shoot the ball a lot, especially from deep. Um, but he has to understand now that he is doing that and he's outside of the paint, um, a lot more often, he's not going to be able to take 25 shots per game like a center typically does, you know, because many centers that play his style, you know, with, with or the style he used to play with his back to the rim most of the time, they take a lot of shots. They don't look to pass as much. But now he's taking 25 shots, and most of them are from beyond the arc. So he, he's got to be able to pass more. I think that there's going to be a lot more opportunities to do that. So that's something he needs to learn. Yeah, he. You, you also see his sort of usage on the offensive end really go up with Lynn out, and you know we got to mention how the Nets out here playing without point guards for a good stretch of games here. It's Isaiah Whitehead and Sean Kilpatrick who does not has like never played point guard really up until this point when he's just become an NBA rotation player. So really interesting to see them sort of go about their offense without point guards, and it's looking pretty fine. I mean, uh, Nets dropped a good 100-plus in this game. They've you know scored pretty well in this stretch. It's just, you know, you have to think, they look even better with Lynn back. Yeah, I know. I think that he's uh, kind of a West Coast point guard, fast-paced. He plays well with Ak- under Atkinson, I think. Um, so he's only going to fit you know, in well with this offense once he comes back and he's healthy. But you're forgetting uh, the best point guard in today's game, and that was Yogi Ferrell. Uh, 11 points, 3 of 5 from the field, 2 of 3 from deep, 4 assists. They even went. Um, was that really, was that really his stat line? Yeah. Wow, man. I sort of – I felt really indifferent about him after tonight's game. I don't know why. I guess – I don't know. I he mean, didn't leave he a lasting a of, mark, at least on me. Did, are you talking about the shot that he, he took it with a minute and 30 uh, seconds left and they were down six? Still pretty much in the game, and Atkinson decided to go with him, but he looked very much like a rookie on his attempt at the basket. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even mind that much. I mean, I mean you, what happened was uh, Nets had their play. I'm struggling to remember exactly what it was, but basically the Lakers just switched, and Farrell had Mozgov on him, and, you know, Farrell started sizing him up, and I'm like, yeah, you know. You're a small, fast, good shooter point guard. Yeah, take the switch. Why not? He obviously didn't play it as well as he could have. But it, it, you know, just because the Nets are pleasantly uh, surprising their fans in the league, it doesn't mean that 
it's time to boost up expectations or say, oh, this is this is a loss that hurts, man. The Nets need to win this game. It's still like I think we'll see we'll still see more of this than the Nets that beat the Pistons, that the Nets that beat the Pacers. So just be prepared for this kind of loss. It's hard to sort of lose sleep over it. Uh, other guys that have played well, Trevor Booker, uh, past few games, it sort of felt like he took a little while to come into scheme, come into the schemes and sort of find his niche. And he really's done that on the offensive boards in transition. He, he's he's doing the hustle thing right now. Yeah, that's right. He's definitely the glue guy, that that veteran that's holding this team together. I guess you can say, um, not that they've been winning too much. I mean, four and six for them, I guess, is a, a victory. But he seems to be a veteran leader, and defensively, he's always getting his hand in there. Um, and he's doing a great job for this Nets team. Um, you know, speaking of other guys, I, I was just putting down notes. I've gotten a lot of chatter on my timeline about the sixth man of the year award race and how Sean Kilpatrick should be in it. And he should be. I mean, he has been starting, which is something to watch out for. I don't know how long how long Lynn's out. That's sort of up in the air. But if Kilpatrick keeps starting, he'll be out of contention there. But I think Kilpatrick's definitely in the running for six man right now. I'd probably uh, I'm stuck between Tabo Cephalosha, uh, Jordan Clarkson, who you know, ironically enough, the Nets played against, and uh, Kilpatrick. So th- that'd be the race right now. I don't know. I don't know if you have any uh, other names that come to mind. Any other names that come to mind? Um, it's not, not necessarily. It's not a crazy I know year for six man. It's not like I mean it's early, but we don't have a clear winner right now. It's usually that guy that puts up eighteen points or whatever off the bench, like a Jamal Crawford, like a Lou Williams. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, who knows? Even Joe Johnson can you know throw his name in the conversation. Yeah, um, former net, that seven-time All-Star, Joe Johnson, to you, Tim. <laughs> yes, someone who's probably going to get 20,000 points by the end of the season. Um, so if we can go back to this Nets game, someone that we haven't talked about in detail yet is Boy, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, and he looked terrific, especially on the offensive end tonight, extremely aggressive going to the rim. That's, some, that's something that we really didn't see a lot of in the past few years. Um, but he's just looking more and more confident. 29 points tonight on 11 of 18 shooting. I'm yeah. impressed. Atkinson just calling his number, man. You, you knew, you, you know Bogdanovich is going to have games like this. I was actually distracted by his defense. I'm going negative again, man. He, as far as one-on-one defense goes, gets slaughtered night in and night out. I mean, it, it's crazy to watch. But he's been awesome on the offensive end, man. I can't hate on Bogey. He... He's, just, he's a fun guy to watch score. I'll be honest. He, uh, it's sort of like that that old guy at the YMCA. He look at him and goes, eh, I, don't, I don't know if he'll be able to do much against us. And then just old man games all over. He starts hitting shots, crafty little drives. You know, it's good to see him playing well. It really is. Yeah, and, and I mean his defense. It's very subpar. He's he's pretty slow, um, and. You know, I, I think that this is a team that doesn't have the greatest roster, but they, these have guys who are um, fitting a systematic uh, offense, and they're doing it pretty well. I mean, like you said, they've been scoring at a decent pace, um, playing a lot better than expected, and if there's anything that's giving them the, these four wins, it's their offense. Yeah, things are just going well, man. And before we log off for tonight, I, I think one interesting thing to note is Phil Jackson's comments 
you know, he had a Q&A with ESPN and Phil Jackson, obviously president uh, of basketball operations with the Knicks. He he was asked about why the Knicks are sort of sticking to that triangle mold, not going more modern NBA offense. And he said how the Knicks don't have a Rolls Royce on their team, like a LeBron, like a, you know, that guy that can really run that offense. And that's why they, they want to go away from that and run things that other teams don't. Well, the Nets don't have a Rolls Royce. They have about 12 broken down Pontiacs that your grandparents used to drive. And they're running pace in space. And they have a pretty good offense and a pretty good team there. So I, don't, I just thought that was an interesting contrast. I don't know. No, it definitely is an interesting contrast. Kenny Atkinson, like you said, he's bringing that 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 future offense to uh, the Light future years of the ahead. offense to the next. Light years term- ahead. <laughs> Yes, like the West Coast, you know, uh, the West Coast, East Coast, you know, fusion. It's looking good. It's looking good. Tim, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your night, man. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Be sure to leave a five-star rating on iTunes. really helps us out. And come back for the next episode. Have a good one. Let me get it one time. Keep it real, don't fake the funk. Let me see them hands high. Don't fake the